0: Champions, big
1: and no, yes, yes. <laughs> wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's a special. Sweet 16 edition of The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. Rob, how good does it feel to be doing another in-season podcast right now? That's the first question of the podcast. It's
0: amazing. I didn't expect to be doing this. I thought we were going to be entering the off-season podcasts, get a week off, have a bit of a depressing one to wrap up the season, but nope. Thanks to the Cats getting it done, the media shitting the bed like they always do, and North Texas coming through to give us a favorable matchup in round two. We are here, we are back, and we are getting ready to play Baylor. Let's fucking go. Let's go. (laughs) That's exactly right, Rob.
1: And the best part about making the Sweet 16... is that there will be no depressing podcast to end this season. So whenever the season ends, whether that is after Baylor or after a national championship, there will be no depressing podcast. Heard it here first, Sweet 16, always the goal every year, make the second weekend, mission accomplished. Don't care how we got there. Everyone talking about, oh, you beat a 12 and a 13. Well, how many fucking times did we play like a, like the hardest freaking team ever, ever. So I have no apologies for anybody, nothing for anybody who says anything about that. No,
0: that that was such garbage. And Andy Katz came out today with his power rankings of the sweet 16. And we were 15. Creighton was 16. And if you listen to the rationale, he's like, oh, they didn't play anybody good to get there. I'm like, Screw you, Andy Katz. We deserve an easier road. And by the way, all the media was doing was saying how good Winthrop was. So I thought Winthrop was tough. I thought they were a tough 12 seed. Screw it. We, we won. We're in the Sweet 16. Let's go, baby. Yeah. I'm jacked up. This team is going to the Final Four. You heard it here first. <laughs> I love it. love it. We didn't even get into any I don't know about this. I don't, know about, is just I don't like, know about that. But Rob... I'm, just, I'm just jacked up. I'm just jacked up. <laughs>
1: but, but I think you raise a good point, though. Because the media doesn't get to have it both ways. The media doesn't first get to say that Winthrop is an, a really hard opponent, that Villanova's going to lose, yada, 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 this, that, and the other thing, and then turn around and say they beat nobody. Fuck you. You don't get to have that both ways. That's right. So so you have been called out on this podcast, as, as is true with many other people across the Villanova basketball Twitter sphere, et cetera called out bullshit you don't get to have it both ways villanova won both games won the second game handily and if i don't say so myself by the time the second half rolled around of the first game handily the last three halves of basketball is best three halves of basketball we've played in a long time so
0: yeah absolutely and can we start right there i'm jacked up i feel like i'm watching a new villanova basketball team we talked about it on the last pod. We talked a little about it a little bit on the pod before. We didn't know what to expect with this team. We thought we'd be watching something new. But damn, it is exciting to watch the ball movement, some driving kick. And watch new players step up, B A B A B A all day, baby. Oh my gosh, it is just so fun. I haven't, I haven't had this much fun watching the team in in a bit. It's been a hot minute. I feel like we're back in December. I'm all jacked up about this team's potential, and I don't even care what happens with Baylor. I mean, I care, but it's just fun to see these guys develop and and roll into the tournament.
1: Absolutely, hitting a stride. Look. We talked about this in the post-game clubhouse, and I'll talk about it now. I think the two-week turnaround job that Jay Wright's done is up there with some of the best coaching performances that he's had in his entire career. You're taking a team that, that lost its best player. By the way, it was kind of slumping a little bit coming into yeah. losing your best player. Won that game, it's just like an absolute tour de force because we just put the put the screws to Creighton amazingly in that game when Colin went down. Uh, but lost your best player, lost the heart and soul of the team – Dana O'Neill was on the podcast, said they lost the heart and soul of the team. Everyone across the national media sphere said they lost the heart and soul of the team. Anyone who knows anything about Villanova basketball, John Fanta, et cetera, says they lost the heart and soul of the team, and it's going to be really difficult for this team to turn it around in such a short period of time. Well, guess what happened? After losing by two to Providence, one to Georgetown, this team has done just that and is back in the Sweet 16 for the third time in six years. So... As far as I'm concerned, that is one of the best two-week performances of coaching in the J. Wright era. And now, all of a sudden, he pulls out everybody from the bench and is like, everybody eats. Everybody, everybody eats. eats. Everybody eats mentality. Next man up. Every man up, apparently. This yeah. Archie Diakido is making three-point buckets looking good maybe one turnover okay whatever the refs didn't realize what traveling was in that game they called dixon for a phantom travel as well happens to us all the time we get called for phantom travels in the ncaa tournaments kind of a thing for villanova so be it but caleb daniels can all of a sudden shoot the ball again Kale C- uh cole swider cale cole swider is <laughs> is is playing good defense and is and is shooting the ball well like come on let's go
0: it's it's it's, crazy
1: we're here baby this is a march run this is a march run
0: it totally is can we talk about brian antoine for for just a hot minute so i remember back in february i guess probably january february he was got a couple flashes of play and we said on the pod what is it what does it mean are we going to see more brian antoine and we said definitively nope This is just a tease. It's done. Don't expect him to play this year. We were wrong. And it's awesome to see what he can do. He is playing so much more confidently on the offensive end and the defensive end. And his shooting stroke is a thing of beauty. Oh Oh my gosh. Oh baby. So pure. I love it. He, until he missed that late three against North Texas, he was, he was four for four from three in the tournament. I was like, He's going to go on a perfect run. We're just going to ride BA all the way to the title. But in all seriousness, his stroke is gorgeous. And defensively, yeah, he's still getting lost a little bit. But he knows what he's doing a bit more than he did before. And he's making some nice plays. He's getting his hand on the ball. He's bouncy. We talked about his bounciness before. He's so quick. He's bouncing around. Oh, my gosh. He is going to be fun to watch. Ideally against Baylor. We'll see what happens. But definitely next year, I did not think I'd be saying that. But I'm excited to see what Brian Antoine is going to bring back in 21 22. Let's
1: I'm go, BA. I'm excited what Brian Antoine's going to bring back in the game against Baylor. Yes, yes, <laughs>
0: we're going to need it. We're going to need yeah. that three yeah. point shooting. That's
1: right. That's right. But look, a couple things that Jay's done that makes a lot of sense, and he did this in the regular season, but he's accentuated it. Um, he's accentuated in the last couple of games as he's played more Antoine. First off. He's simplified it for him. There's, the defense is simpler. We're running more zone defense, um, especially when Antoine's out there. Antoine's a good on-ball defender. He's quick, mobile, moves his feet well. Um, he's athletic. He's handsy. It's like, you know, handsy in the way it's not just putting hands on the <laughs> defender. <laughs> he's he's handsy, handsy in the terms of he keeps his hands out, and whatever. He's active. Switching defense, he gets lost. Yeah. But so, but so how do you fix that? You play him in the zone. He's got a spot that he's supposed to carve out, and he's good. And like, and like, he knows he has a sensibility as to when to kind of like try and let the ball goes inside, when to reach in a little bit and 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 rake the ball away, etc. I, I I gotta say, Antoine, when we play zone, especially, um, is not a detraction defensively like he was in the first year and a half of him being with the program, which is obviously you'd expect development, but he's picking it up much more quickly. And the more time he plays, the more in game experience he gets the better he is showing he can be and he looks more and more comfortable offensively looks comfortable dribbling even the fact again we 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 said this a couple weeks ago um and we say it again the fact that brian antoine is shooting open shots shows that he's moving in the flow of the offense better that is so critical because before he's trying to feel, him out, feel himself out, he can't realize how to rotate. He's trying to go station to station and how he rotates. Now he's not doing that anymore. He's floating naturally to the open spots on the floor, finding the seams of the defense, and then burying jumpers. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. We're going to need it. But you got to talk about, with this team, the impact that the role players have had now because you know who your stars are. You know more you know Samuels, you know Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and we could talk all day about them, and I do want to yeah. talk a little bit about more. Yeah. Um, but you know what you're getting out of those three, That's and that's good. We said that going in. We said that last week. you got a three-headed monster of more uh, Samuels and Dro- Robinson Earl. What can you get of everybody else? Well, the answer is quite a bit. And if Swider and Antoine and Caleb are each able to contribute a total of like five threes a game, you know, 10, 15, 20 points a game. like Sorry, more like 15, 20 points a game. That combination of three players, that helps you. That's how you win games.
0: Huge. Absolutely. Yeah, should we talk about Moore for a minute? Because Moore's always been an important cog in the machine. He did have a little bit of a, I'll say kind of a a funky midseason, if you will. But he's looked, I don't know if I'll go quite as far to say a different player, but he has looked a way more composed, put yeah. together smarter player yeah. the past couple games? It,
1: it, what I'm gonna say is this. This is how i frame it. Before Colin went down, Colin was always the steady Freddy, right? Like just always the guy who keeps the game under control, doesn't turn the ball over, keeps the team on track, etc. Because of that, when Moore got to play point or more had the ball in his hands, Moore is able to be a little bit more freewheeling, a little value the basketball a little bit less, but almost like the DiVincenzo to Jalen Brunson of 2018. Ooh,
0: nice, nice comparison. Right.
1: Like, and it's not the same level, they're not the same players. I'm not making that point. Because was...
0: DiVincenzo Vincenzo is a better decision
1: maker than <laughs> Jalen Brunson uh, For those who didn't know, because no one listened to the podcast back then, Rob tried to say that on like one of our first podcasts and was summarily <laughs> shut down. It was one game.
0: It was one game. Okay. One yeah, game. On. It was one game. Um <laughs> he, had, he had like one nice pass. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Talking about an overreaction, but yeah. That being said, the point is, is that Divincenzo got to play a little bit more of that free wheeling type of play. Yeah. When when Moore now is taking the reins of the offense and is in control, his valuation of the basketball in each possession is clearly higher. What we asked from Moore earlier in the year was to not make so many plays that are come across either boneheaded or ill advised shots or whatever. And with more, you're going to get some of that. He's aggressive and we need aggressive. We need that aggression. Um, so you're going to still get some of that. But the valuing of each possession is so much more. And that I think is the biggest difference since Colin went down. Jay Wright must have pulled him aside and said, We count on you to be aggressive, but we need you to value this basketball because Colin's not here and we need you to step into that role. And everyone on the team has gotten that message.
0: Yeah, I like it. Value in the basketball is huge. It's gonna be huge against Baylor. We're gonna need every single possession. Offensively, defensively. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Should we do awards? I will say, yeah, should we let's let's do some awards. Let's do some awards. I think my alpha dog for the week, I don't think it would be the guy you would always expect because we've given it to those guys a lot. And I think you can make a good case for it. My alpha dog though. Goes to Brian Antoine. And it goes to Brian Antoine because he has stepped up in a role. The past two games that nobody really expected him to step into and the confidence that he's playing with and the addition that he brings to the team is literally just all incremental upside to this team in my mind. And adding a new piece to the team this late in the game is a can be a total game changer. And that's what you were alluding to. And I love having him here. He stepped up with confidence. He buried some shots. He was confident all around. So he's the guy we didn't expect anything from, and he delivered way more than I expected. So Brian Antoine gets my alpha dog of the week. Arf, arf.
1: I like it. I'm going to stick with the theme of going off script, off of the main three, and and going to... I'm going to give it to Caleb. I'm giving it to Caleb oh
0: Ooh, I like that. I like that. Okay. I'm going to it to okay. Caleb
1: Daniels because... It, Because of a alpha dog sometimes indicates a level of toughness. And you're talking about a guy that after getting COVID, he was one of the ones who had it, just totally lost all of the swag that he had earlier in the season. And we gave him, we, we, we said on the podcast at the beginning of the season, you'll never hear us say a bad word about Caleb Daniels because we've met him and he's like the nicest guy ever. And he is one of the nicest guys ever. Um, So that didn't go away. But we had to, we had to call a spade a spade and, and Caleb wasn't shooting the ball well and he was making a lot of dumb fouls and stuff like that. With Caleb, your death taxes and uh, one offensive foul per game at least. But with all that being said... Huff defense, passing the ball in right situations, making good reads, not turning the ball over too much aside from the offensive towels and finding his three-point stroke at the exact moment that we needed him to find the three-point stroke. That's toughness. And for that, I'm giving him the alpha dog of the week. Now, I like it in our game notes here as we're prepping the podcast. You put Shaq fit as the J-Rob to Antoine pass. I have to agree that that was pretty sweet, but J-Rob had a Shaq fit moment of his own on that putback dunk early in the game. So either he way
0: J-Rob's J- involved. He did. And and I think I think your call is probably the right one. That was much more of what we think of as a man jam. So, I'm going to vote with you on that with the J-Rob put back. I also as the secondary as another one to consider, not a dunk actually, but it was Samuel Sky to get some rebound. I can't even remember which game it was, but I love that play. So, quick shout out to Jermaine Windex Samuels, if oh, you will.
1: Oh, that was a Windex moment. He got that board. He just took it right from the guy. It was insane.
0: Squeak, squeak. Clean those boards, Jermaine. All day, baby. know. Love, Love it.
1: All right, man. We're like 10-plus minutes in just gloating from last from last weekend. I think we got a preview. The Baylor Bears. Oh, do we
0: have a game coming up? I wasn't aware.
1: Yeah, we made the Sweet 16, but we do have to play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Darn it. We can't just live in bliss for a while. Yeah. It's
1: unfortunate. All right, so so we're playing Baylor. This is one of the two teams that everyone talked about all year, right? Like everyone's talked about it's Gonzaga and Baylor. It's Gonzaga and Baylor. It's Gonzaga and Baylor. Who does the Big East get? Gonzaga and Baylor Creighton's playing Gonzaga on, on um, Sunday and we're playing Baylor on Saturday 515 on CBS at Hinkle Fieldhouse we'll get into that in a little bit want to give you a little background on Baylor because as good as Baylor has been over the last couple of years Baylor is actually kind of like a, an up-and-coming program under Scott Drew so a little background here Baylor's in Waco Texas might already know that and they're in the Big 12 which you probably already know 2021 was the first regular season championship that Baylor's had in 71 years.
0: It's a long time.
1: Yeah. Now, granted, Kansas, like, always wins the championship in the regular season of the of the Big 12. So, like, fair. But still, 71 years is a pretty long time. Scott Drew, he's the head coach, was hired in 2003, is overseeing the golden era of the program. Yeah, they made two Final Fours in, like, 48 and 50. No one cares. That's like when LaSalle won a championship. No one cares about that. 16 seasons, 62% winning percentage, and eight NCAA appearances, including six round of 32 appearances since 2010, five Sweet 16s since 2010, which is very impressive, and has made two Elite Eights, one in 2010 and one in 2012. In recent years, they've gotten bounced early a couple of times. We got a question about that um, from, a, from a listener earlier today, but we're not ready to call that a narrative. They had a couple of years where they got bounced early, but I'm not, uh, honestly, like, I want to build a narrative about getting bounced early, but there's not enough there there to, to do it.
0: Yeah. and I mean, the headline for me, as you boil it down, is Scott Drew is a good coach. Oh, yeah. He's been around for a while. He's done it in a really tough conference for sure. The Big 12 is strong year in and year out. You alluded to Kansas. It's usually not just Kansas as well. The conference usually runs deep and has had a number of years where they're definitely the best conference in the country. So he absolutely knows what he's doing. He has tournament experience, as you alluded to. Making it to the Elite Eight is no joke. So it's not like he's going to get to the Sweet 16 and not know what to do. No, he's a, he's a tournament coach. This is a great team and a great coach. Nova's going to have a tough matchup. Don't kid yourself.
1: Absolutely. Now, let's be clear. After all this success, this is by far the best Baylor team ever, especially in the bottom (laughs) year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're,
0: They're really good.
1: Yeah, they're really fucking good. There's a lot of shades of the 2014 to 2018 Villanova run in this team. They go eight deep. They shoot the three ball extremely well. At, okay, um,
0: wait. wait, can we can we stop here? Yeah, that is a ridiculous understatement. So they have they have I think like six guys who play regularly who have attempted a three pointer all year, and every single one of them shoot over thirty eight percent from three.
1: Yeah, yeah, Absurd. this team is.
0: This team is ridiculous. They are, team... The, they are the number one three-point shooting team in the country. Yeah. Full right. stop.
1: So, so yeah. So, we said 2014 and 2018 Villanova, but a lot of 2018 Villanova in this Baylor Bears team. Yeah, it's they, a yikes. It's a yeah, yikes. That's not, that's not great. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> They're not incredibly tall, but led by athletic guards and wings. Tell me if you've heard, stop me if you've heard that before. <laughs> um, and then, they do have a great name on the team. Flo Thamba is just a fucking incredible name. Not as good as Adonis R, but an incredible name nonetheless indeed now their players to watch is the whole team but aside, from the whole, but aside from the whole team, Jared Butler is a first-team All-American. Davion Mitchell, second-team All-American. These guys are just by the virtue of being first and second-team All-Americans, two of the top ten players in all of college basketball, and they're on the same team. They're Again, pretty good. Stop me if you've heard that before in the comparisons to the 2018 Villanova squad.
0: Yikes! Can, yeah. can we get a, can we get a redraw for our for our matchup? <laughs> I yeah. felt I felt so good coming into this podcast, and then as we did research, I was like, oh. Oh, this, this may not be as much fun as i hoped it would be yeah
1: okay now now, very balanced tack. They're, they're really good how do they play they play up tempo relative to us but pretty much everybody's up tempo relative to us but they're not like they're not like obliteratively fast they're not like st john's level fast they don't like they're, they're not coming at you in like whatever they're like tempered fast if that makes sense it's like <laughs> like they will shoot they will find early looks whenever they get it in the shot clock, whether that's 29 seconds deep or 10 seconds deep. They're going to find an early look. They will get out and transition a little bit. You know, they can play. They can play at all speeds. Really, they're they're, they're really good. They're
0: really good. Like this yeah. team is really good. <laughs> it's gonna uh, it's gonna remind you of 18 Nova. It's like yeah, you get you get an open look, two seconds in the shot clock. They're 100% going to take it. Yeah, without right, a doubt. Right. And they'll probably make it.
1: Yeah, and they're going to make it a lot. Now, a couple things to a couple things like how do, how do we go out and beat this team, right? Like first off, take all of what we just said, internalize that for a moment and just think about how Jay Wright approaches games when he's overmatched athletically and and from that perspective. He slows it down. He mucks it up. He gets the game to be ugly. He wants the game to be played at a really slow tempo. Forces that will upon them. He does that in a number of ways. One, we're going to drain that shot clock down. So expect us to sit on that ball a lot of the shot clock and, and work it real late in our shot clock to limit the number of possessions that they get. In a way, playing a slow offense is our best defense against Baylor. Secondly, he's done it recently. Finally, he's come back with it. The one-two-two two press to try and get them to take 5-10 to seconds seconds off the shot clock is another thing that he's going to do to try and limit possessions in this game. Now, we have to be careful with that 1-2-2 two, two press because Baylor is uniquely capable of beating it because they will exploit it if you overcommit. You overcommit on that one 2, two press and they're going to find an open look from deep and bury it quickly. So, do it enough to slow down but not trying to force turnovers with it at all. So, those are critical points in the game. This needs to be an ugly, ugly game. That will help from a structure of the game perspective Help keep us in it. You have to avoid getting boat raced by Baylor. They are they can boat race us. So just to be perfectly clear, we've made that point. This team can boat race Villanova. They could boat race anybody in the tournament that's not named gonzaga And probably Alabama is the only other one. Um, so they aren't particularly large. We do have athletes to keep up with them. I bet you'd see a little bit more of Slater in this game um from an athletic standpoint and a speed standpoint. Um, and maybe edge a little bit away from Swider. The good the news is that Chris Argenio is is actually more fleet-footed than we give him credit for, um, and is taller. I was going to
0: say, thing, he's,
1: he's also pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. He's six and it seems pretty legit. So, like, he's actually much bigger. He's bigger than his brother was uh, from that perspective. And Antoine's lanky and long as well. So, he's able to defend from that point of view, too. We can't keep running the zone. So, I don't know. Antoine is going to be, it's going to be a field game for Jay in terms of Antoine's match. So, if Antoine's in and Jay has to run the zone, they could shoot all day over the top yeah. of that zone. So, we got to be careful with that. Flash it in moments like Jay has been doing, maybe a little matchup zone there too to try and confuse them and slow them down and make them work for good shots. But this is a team that again, can just bury you from deep. And they will if they get the opening. So they're going to have some runs. They're going to make three threes in a row at some point in time, and it's going to feel like an avalanche. And this team is going to have to hashtag attitude through those moments. But th- this is this is what Baylor does. Baylor can can just put twelve on you, fifteen on you in an instant, and bury you and take it away. Um, so we're just going to have to keep this game slow and steady and ugly and physical. And it's period. What we got
0: to do and hope they miss shots. And- like I mean, in real like. Seriously, that's it's it's one of those things you just hope they have a bit of an off night. Like they shot forty seven percent or something like that against Wisconsin. I'll tell you right now, if they shoot forty seven percent against us, they'll win. Like without a doubt. There's yeah. basically nothing we can do. They shot thirty-three yeah. percent against Hartford and still scored seventy-nine points. Yeah. So you've gotta hope for one of those nights where it's thirty-three percent and war hitting shots as well. Like and- we've we've gotta hit shots.
1: We gotta hit shots. It's a shot makers game. You gotta make shots. You gotta make timely bucks. And you got to get timely stops. And, and, and candidly, as I said, again, this game has to be played at a tempo of like 60, 65 possessions. If you start getting into the upper sixties into the seventies, like I don't see the path because I don't know if Villanova's offense can keep up with it. Like, yeah. We have the shooters to shoot and to hit a lot of shots, but this is a bunch better defense than we faced in the first two rounds. So good thing that the guys got hot. They got to stay. They got to stay hot. They got to keep connecting on shots. But again, look, Ken Palm has us, as, you know, a four-point dog. The line is at negative six and a half. It's not like the betting lines are expecting us to get blown out here and like we're going to be lucky to win. But this is a team that we need to keep the score and the pace low. We're it's for us to win. We got to win in the 50s, 60s, or low 70s. Maybe if we're hit. shots really well um that's how this game is going to be won a couple analogies kansas in the 2016 elite eight is a really good example of how we mucked up a game and drew it down to the last couple of possessions down to the wire and won because of that what texas tech tried to do to us in 2018 is similar to what i think we may need to try and do to these guys bully ball really physical get them to shoot worse get them to shoot poorly that's what the 2018 texas tech team did they just were not able to hit shots so we're gonna have to do what texas tech tried to do to us at 18 and then on top of it hit shots
0: absolutely and i think that's we had looking at some of the questions we got a lot of great questions from some of our listeners one of the questions that i liked that i thought was relevant as you're doing comparisons was are there any shades of nova 2008 versus kansas which obviously the kansas 2018 was the team of men as we always referred to um excuse me I take that back. The Memphis 2018 was a team of men. Kansas beat the team of men. But regardless, Kansas stomped on us in 08 and basically showed us that we didn't even belong in the same gym. Can you make a comparison here? I think the short answer is no, not really. This Baylor team is really good. We've made that very clear. The difference between this Nova team and the 2008 team is two things. One, it's the fact that Jay Wright is a championship winning coach now who has a ton more experience than he did at that point. He's seen a lot. He's been through a lot. He's smarter. The second thing is the caliber of the players that we have on, on this team and the program experience. I don't downplay the fact that The guys on this team are legit four- and five-star recruits who are not going to be intimidated walking into the gym with Baylor, who is also a team of four and five star recruits. And frankly, a lot of the guys on Nova probably see themselves as better players than the team that's going to be lining up against them. I don't know that that was the case in 2008. I'm speculating, but there was probably a little bit of the intimidation factor in 08. I don't see that happening today. Now, once you get into the game and you get down 10, yes, that can fall away. But I think at least that edge walking in, I think our guys will be all right. Yeah, like, look, the, the 2018...
1: the. 2018, 2008 Kansas game. We were just overmatched in every category. Like they had good shooting guards. They had they had people who could just jump through the freaking roof. Super athletes. They were alley ooping on us the entire game. I have nightmares of Sasha Khan from that game. Like 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 that team was just superior in so many yes. ways. It was a superior team. It yes, was absolutely. athletically, physically gifted. Like all of those things, they were just they were just better. Your point is valid. This team, we have a team of athletes this year. Like, yeah, there's some moments. Like, this team can boat race us. I mean, but this is this team is not going to blow you away with, like, how that 2008 Kansas team blew you away where they were just so physically imposing. It was like the Monstars, like, level-type thing in 2008 versus this is, like, more like 2018 Villanova. Um, so if they're going to boat race us, they're going to boat race us with deep. Um, and that's how it's going to go. So I don't get shades of that. I do want to talk about Hinkle because that's where we're playing the game. Yeah. And we got a question about is it good or bad that we're playing at Hinkle? I am going with good. And a lot of people might say, oh my God, just on a few weeks ago, you said Hinkle with John Fanta has been a house of horrors for this team. Yes. And then we asked John, he said, well, what, how is that? Go- how are we going to prevent that from being the case this year? And he goes, well, the good news is that Butler's not going to be on the other side of it. And we all had a good laugh. And w- well, we're here. And the good news is, yeah. is we're familiar with Hinkle. We-, we played there every year. So including recently. Yeah, it didn't go well. Yeah, we've shot poorly there. But again, Butler plays that. So this is, so this is the analogy. Butler did to us in that game, what we have to do to Baylor today uh Oh, sorry. On Saturday, where Butler made it ugly, made us uncomfortable. We played like garbage. Couldn't shoot the ball. Three for like 28 in that game, or whatever it was. Like that's what we gotta do to bail. We gotta make it ugly, make them uncomfortable, whatever. And in Hinkle Fieldhouse, Hinkle Magic. Maybe it works for us as fellow Big East brethren. I- I'm for it.
0: Let's go. I hope we bring our sunglasses because the light coming into that place. Oh man, it's so weird. Don't tell it's Ed So Cooler. weird. Don't tell it Oh Cooler. my gosh. Yeah. Like quick side note on this. So if you guys remember back in was that, February, January, we had the game against Providence in the pavilion and they stopped the game for probably, or they didn't resume after halftime for 20 minutes while they had to put some shade over the window because light was streaming into the pavilion. It was wild watching the games this weekend at Hinkle. There's light all over the court. And I would imagine, yeah, it's it's probably a little bit more challenging to play from a player perspective. So anyway, keep an eye on that. Didn't seem to really impact anybody, but just a fun fact to point out as we watch our game on Saturday.
1: Absolutely. So a couple more questions. What's more likely? We have good three-point defense or Baylor just misses open looks? Uh, neither. Neither. <laughs> I don't think yeah. either is particularly likely.
0: Baylor's going to hit open shots,
1: and our three point defense is better, improving, but not great. So, if I,
0: if I had to pick one of those, I think it's more likely they're just going to miss some shots. Like, we don't have a particularly stout three point defense, if that's even a thing.
1: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, in, I'm in agreement, Rob. I, 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 we just have to hope.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah.
1: And another, we got another question. This is an interesting one. Do the cats match up better defensively with Baylor without Colin? That's a weird question. So like, look, let me go back to this point a little bit we talked about the media before the media is building this narrative that we got here easily, whatever like yeah if Baylor beats us then it'll like confirm their narrative even at the peak of our powers in like late December when we had Colin if we played Baylor we'd still be underdogs to Baylor so like yeah so like so like I don't know like it's so, like with Colin without Colin like yeah I, I would prefer to have my all-american biggest conference player of the year in Colin on the court I get the point with the defensive point in that because we just mentioned before, Chris is longer and in, in, in taller than Colin, bigger stature-wise. And then Jay's playing deeper, so you get a little bit more of that athletic feel. But Jay simplified this defense a lot, and we have yet to see how it, how it works out versus a really good three-pointing shooting team. So... I would make the argument that yeah, we could be better defensively against Baylor than we would be if we played with Colin. But as much to do with Jay's personnel decisions as it does with the fact, is more to do with that than it does have to do with Colin actually being on the court or not like that to me is like a the, I get the question but I, I don't think it plays out and we're defense, we're, we're offensively worse without Colin but
0: the question was defensively Chris I mean, <laughs> it's, you know hey defensively if we want to be fair to, to our listener defensively you could say yeah sure maybe it is you got somebody yeah. taller who's a little bit maybe a little bit quicker All right, sure but yes obviously you'll lose that offensive touch <laughs> not not something little to lose
1: yeah now a couple questions around personnel in this game like how much would you expect this? see chris arch antoine and cole uh play in a game of this magnitude i don't know if jay has much of a choice like yeah you have your big three i think you'll see 38 minutes out of you know 35 plus minutes out of moore and jermaine and jeremiah robinson earl i definitely think you're gonna see that but I don't know if they play that much less. I, I mean I think he's more likely to just ride the hot hand. So if someone's shooting well, <laughs> yeah, I think that's who's gonna play more. Cole Spider. That's, that's what I was
0: gonna Cole say. Cole is too.
1: not as athletic and we have talked about before how he can be a little bit flat footed on defense. If he finds a good place to play from at the back of his zone, uh perhaps perhaps he could hide Cole a little bit more, just like he hides Antoine at the top of the zone. But I'm I, I think you're seeing these guys play. I uh, I I you might just see it a little bit less than you did versus North Texas, but like held Trey patterson got it versus north texas so i'm you know i think you can't necessarily compare it to those games
0: yeah i I think you're right it's gonna be hey if things are working great we'll keep rolling with it i think if you start to see continuous mistakes and things that are falling apart with some of the newer guys wouldn't surprise me if jay tries to tighten that up a little bit and goes back to his core but hey things have been working he's been riding a deeper lineup right now you don't do that in the tournament unless you're trusting the guys even when you're playing a team like north texas so i would expect to see you know significant minutes from from antoine again unless something goes significantly wrong and then your guess is as good as mine
1: yeah i mean look if we fall back if we fall down way early then he's going to pull every rabbit out of the hat he possibly can to try and shoot our way back into this game but that's a different story we're assuming that the game gets played out in like a more normal fashion now so prediction because we have a couple other questions but those questions have to do with the answer to this
0: thing are we going to win this game i'll say yes why not because what do i have to lose <laughs> i'm gonna say we come out we, we we're pretty hot we shoot 40 percent from three Baylor has a little bit of an off day, and we win, I don't know, 76-74. All right.
1: I am also predicting a win. I don't know why. I just feel weird about this game. I feel like we're going to win. Again, there's no accountability if we lose. <laughs> if we lose, okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we're a fan podcast, and we predicted that Villanova's going to win. Okay, too bad.
0: Fr- frankly, I just want to say that we're going to win, just because I want to make it happen. I want to believe it, so who gives a fuck? Yeah, let's believe go, it into let's it. Let's go. Fuck it. Yeah, let's fuck go, it. Cats. Fuck it.
1: We're gonna we're gonna oh. believe it into existence. I actually have a game being played slower. I think this team's gonna win sixty-eight to or sixty-nine, race to sixty nine, shout out to Titus and Tate. Sixty nine to sixty-five. That's going to be my final score of the game. Okay, all right. Um, so we get them to play slower because we play slower, we're able to play to our advantage. We get we we the game's tight, it's nerve wracking the entire game, and we get a couple shots late to seal the deal, make a couple free throws, and and that's the game. That's how I think it plays out. We talked about the spread. We talked about Kemba. I def I, I do think I do think that this team, unless it gets out of hand and and we're just like fouling them, I do actually think this team's going to hold this game close. I I think that we're going to keep the tempo tight. They were going to give Baylor a run for the money no matter what. So I, I'm never betting, but fuck it. I'd tell you guys to bet, bet on Villanova. Um, Definitely bet the under, because I guarantee you, Jay's going to muck this game up like crazy. This is going to be a rock fight. It's not going to be a pretty I hope game. You're right. All right. So then the question is then when, where are we partying when Villanova wins? And the answer is um, at home,
0: please. Probably in your, probably in your house. Yeah.
1: Yeah. At home. If you're in Indianapolis, you know, whatever
0: but, if you're vac- if you're vaccinated you do you. yeah if you're
1: vaccinated then v for vaccination go fucking wild otherwise probably continue to lay low we got a couple more months of this pandemic and then i think we're out of this by uh july 4th are <laughs> here first medical expert chris pilati opining on opining <laughs> yeah, on basketball say, and opining on medicine
0: we are far we are far out of our depth
1: right now yeah but all right that's a baylor game we think we're gonna win rob are you prepared to do an emergency podcast if we do win and 100 and do an elite eight preview yeah I'm definitely
0: Definitely not going to be sober, but yeah, absolutely. All right.
1: All right. So, we're not going to preview a potential Elite Eight matchup versus are you, Arkansas. Oh, I have, I have a question. Are you, you, you going to go to the Final Four if we make it? No, I am not going to go to the Final Four. I have made that decision, uh, unfortunately, but I am hosting Easter with my parents here and my grandparents. And so, I will not be attending the Final Four.
0: That's a bummer. Well, if we can get tickets, Nicole and I are totally going. So, I'll, I'll, uh, hey! I'll take a take a picture for you. I love
1: it. I love it. We'll just not hang out for two weeks and then hang out after. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I like it. All right, other tournament reactions.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, let's start with the Big Ten. We're more like we're like. The little, the little one, one team, one yeah. team into the sweet 16 after all of that hype. Are you kidding me?
1: Honest question. Honest question, Rob. And I'm trying to think in my fandom of like, you know, 16 plus years of college basketball fandom. And can you remember a conference that shit the bed as big of big 10 this year?
0: I mean, not that bad. Big East has had a few bad years of late, actually. Um, no, but it's not the same. But, but nothing, nothing that bad nothing that bad bad. that was a one a two it's just two ones it's a little rough yeah
1: well because they started with two ones a two like four five like it's crazy i can't think of a conference that shut the bed this bad. this is crazy absolute insanity that they didn't they only shot one team uh to the sweet 16 and michigan didn't exactly look convincing when they beat lsu either so I
0: don't. I, don't. I, I, I kind of hate this. I kind of hate this argument, though, because it gets used against us all the time, too. It's like, oh, the Big East hasn't performed, dah, 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 dah. especially prior to us winning the title. So I, I kind of hated it when well, they did it to us. So I'm not going to hold too much against the Big 10 for it. Shit happens in the tournament, especially this year, but it still was kind of shocking to see all those teams go down. And it screwed my bracket. I had Ohio State in my Final Four. No. So I did not see it coming. Nope.
1: I'm not buying that. This is a different level of magnitude. Yeah, the Big East shot to bed, but the Big East put like four or five teams into the tournament and only got one team past the second into the second weekend. That's a totally different situation than nine teams in the bracket and like how they lost. Ohio State loses to Oral Roberts. Rutgers is up like eight with like four minutes left and loses to Houston. Like, give me a break. Come on.
0: Whatever. Whatever. Another team that lost. UConn. I called it. Yep. I said I didn't believe it. They were total frauds. I shouldn't have bought into the hype earlier. I'm glad I called them out. I don't wanna see the Big East lose. But that was the one I was like, told you so. Absolute frauds. UConn had everybody fooled. What a job on the marketing front that Dan Hurley did. I don't know who he was paying, but all the talking heads, us included, were all on UConn's dick as they entered the Big East tournament. And there was nothing there. The emperor had no clothes.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you, dude. I was wrong. I was wrong. I admit my wrongness. You had it right. UConn frauded out of the Big East tournament and frauded out of the NCAA tournament. And uh, I-, I apologize for my sins that I have committed.
0: But the good news is the rest of the Big East held serve. I mean, Georgetown did. Georgetown looked terrible, but whatever. It's fine. They weren't expected to win. And then Creighton, Creighton got the job done. They were another one. It was on a 5-12. Oh, we'll pick them to lose. It was tight in the first round, but they got it done. First round, second round. Also had a technically a bit of an easier path, but we'll take it. The Big East is making up for the easy first and second rounds by playing the one seeds, so at least one of us, knock on wood, gets through this weekend. Hopefully, it's us.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it will be us. If anybody,
0: fingers, <laughs> um, fingers crossed on that. Um,
1: yeah, look, a couple other conference notes: the ACC has got two teams in, and one of them, Syracuse. So fuck them. Um, the Big Twelve is down to Baylor. That's it. Yeah. Like, not a lot of people are talking about the Big 12, but the Big 12 really crapped out. But the Pac-12 has been the story of the tournament. Four teams in the uh, in the Sweet 16, and they will at least have one Elite Eight entrant because the o- Oregon Ducks and the USC Trojans are playing each other. So they'll have at least one Elite Eight team. Um, so kudos to the Pac-12 for uh, proving the doubters wrong. Maybe the, Pac- I like it. Maybe the Pac-12 is back. Yeah, them plus Gonzaga. The West Coast is looking pretty good.
0: West Coast, best coast.
1: That's right. All right, Gonzaga's is looking good. I have no reason to believe that Gonzaga's is not going to win the whole thing, other than Villanova getting there. And then, if Nova doesn't win it all, who are you cheering for? This is a good question. Uh, this came in from um, this came in from a listener. Rob, you actually wrote it in your notes, but that was actually exactly who I was going to say. Gonzaga or Loyola, Chicago. But in that, I'm definitely going Gonzaga because I don't want anybody to tie our eight seed, only eight seed to win the national championship uh, situation.
0: Ooh, I'm going to I'm going to contradict you. I actually don't care about the eight seed at all anymore because we've won two titles after that. Literally, after we won the first, after we won the second title. I said to myself, oh, that 18 was a nice story. It's just nice to have another title now. Now that we've got two more in the bank, somebody else can take that. Doesn't matter to me. I'm absolutely cheering for Loyola Chicago if we do not advance. It's just, it's a cool story. Yep, they're an underdog. Sister Jean is back. And, man, that team just absolutely destroyed Illinois. Illinois got absolutely smoked. And Cameron Krutwig, this dude and his mustache, man, he just looks like he's like a middle-aged dude who's got, like, I don't know, two kids, and he drives, like, a minivan. But the look is something else. But he just absolutely shut down uh, Coburn on Illinois. So, look, it was fun to watch them the first couple rounds. I'm pulling for them if we don't get the job done.
1: Who is that? He reminds me a little bit of that guy on Xavier a few years back. Who was that St- Stainbrook? Yeah, Matt Stainbrook. Yeah, a little Matt Stainbrook to him a little bit. He's better. He does. He's better he than does, Matt Stainbrook. Yeah. But yeah, he's got a little bit of that to him. I like that. I like, look, Loyola Chicago should have never been an eight seed. That seems that like a four or five seed easily. But yeah, I, look, uh, your point is valid. I had always applied my old mentality to it, and I didn't reconsider that. Now that you've said that, yeah, a Gonzaga Loyola Chicago national championship would be great. And cheers to the winner of, of that game.
0: Probably be Gonzaga.
1: By the way, yeah, probably be Gonzaga. But by the way, Loyola Chicago can absolutely make the national championship game.
0: Yeah, they totally could. they totally could. I mean, they knocked off. Literally, Illinois was penciled into so many brackets, and they had no issue with them. Yeah, so they totally could.
1: All right. We a couple of tournament-related questions. One was anything to make of using Trey Patterson at the end of the game. No, no, I I don't make anything of that. I don't think Jay's has any intention on playing him more. No,
0: that was like that was like a nice. Here you go. You're not a senior in high school and taking tests. You're in in an NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, and none of this counts. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) towards your eligibility. So go ahead, Uh, go forth and prosper, young man. should you buy tickets to the final four today or, or tomorrow? Um, you gave me two options, um, but I'm recording this at 10.30 PM. So I'm going to go with tomorrow. Think on it. Sleep on it a little bit.
0: I would I would say just buy them today. This tickets always resell. All right. Rob says buy it today. Rob, did you buy your yeah. tickets today? Oh, I did. No, I didn't buy my tickets
1: today. <laughs> Airplane tickets, <laughs> I mean, though. I, I think they're still refundable, right? So you can.
0: I think so. Yeah. yeah. I just give advice. I don't actually act on
1: it. <laughs> that's that's the consultant in Rob. That's right. Um. All right. And this is a good question. ties back to the earlier point in the podcast. Who's on your Mount Rushmore of terrible takes from these past two weeks? Mm -hmm. Seth Davis, definitely. Seth Davis announces at the very beginning of the selection show, Villanova versus Winthrop. Oh, Winthrop's definitely winning that game. I already got him. Like, that was terrible um so seth davis is definitely high on the list andy katz decided to join that list today with just a horrendous re-rank of the teams where he like ranked us one through 16 and gave villanova number 15 and creighton number 16 that's terrible he's like and he's like oh they didn't beat anybody to get here blah blah blah. they didn't look impressive didn't look impressive Say what you want about the quality opponent. We looked impressive versus North Texas. Let's just be perfectly clear about that. We were hitting open shots, working the ball, did whatever we wanted to, athletically demolished them, etc. And then he was talking about other teams like, oh, well, you know, Gonzaga and Baylor were one and two. Baylor and Gonzaga looked fine and every bit the part of a future national champion, but they didn't exactly, like, blow you away impressively. USC, if anybody, looked impressive. We're talking about that as your ranking. Oregon looked impressive versus Iowa. Like, uh, to me, the whole thing was just a narrative play. And so any Katz is on that Mount Rushmore. We got two more to go. I've already put wait, wait. my Wait, wait.
0: My Mount Rushmore includes Chris Bellotti. For the Yukon train, I gotta. I'll call you out again on it. I already called you out once. I'm calling you out again on it. I don't. If
1: like I don't it. know if that's fair. I did my penance for that. <laughs> you get two more. I'll give you two more. I'm not accepting that.
0: Oh, I don't even have. I don't even have two more. I don't even know. That's my one. I'm just rolling with that.
1: How about Mark Emmert for like the whole fucking women's weight room thing? That was pretty horrible. Um, all right we had a couple questions about personnel you know Kyle Neptune being rumored to be the front runner of Fordham you know what's Dada gonna do we talked about that a million times and then recruit Trevor Keels I, we're gonna talk personnel after the season like we can't yeah. we can't focus on that right now respect the question definitely hear it definitely want to
0: find out more but I'm not willing to talk personnel for keep for your focus on the here and now we've got a game on Saturday do not look ahead
1: that's right. That's right. That's where your head and right should now, be. And right now, Neptune is probably the first, you know, the head guy scouting Baylor, like the advanced scout on Baylor. So, as far as I'm concerned, he better focus on that, and not the Fordham fucking job. So, that's
0: right. You want to do well at Fordham? Scout Baylor. Boom. That's right. That's what I have to say about that. Yeah, you can definitely ask for more money if you beat Baylor. That's
1: exactly right. We um, got okay, a question. Is Chris Archidiakin the Second Coming? Uh, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's hold our horses a
0: little bit here. <laughs> He's been great. <laughs> 's been great we'll see we'll see what he can carve out next year yeah he's already exceeded my expectations I will say that
1: and what's the biggest aspect of nova basketball that is underrated I kind of like this question Rob because I, I, like, there's a lot of things that are underrated comes back to the media conversation that we had before what is underrated here I think there's a couple things I I, I actually think that Jay Wright is a little bit underrated I like I think Oh stop it. That's such a terrible take. He writes
0: underrated. He's literally on the Hall of Fame ballot this year. Yeah, and even with that said. Just stop. Just stop. That's a terrible take. No, 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 no. That is a terrible take. Oh my god. Hear me out. That is absurd. Hear me out for a second. No, I wanna hear you out. This is ridiculous. Anybody who's saying Somebody who is literally on the Hall of Fame ballot while they are in the prime of their career is underrated is a terrible take. He is appropriately rated. That
1: is my point. My point is that he's on the Hall of Fame ballot, wasn't elected to the Hall of Fame already, even though he was on the ballot before. Wasn't elected to the Hall of Fame already. And on top of that, he is not considered still among the savants like Coach K and all the other people. Jay Wright needs to be in that category. And for that, I think he's underrated. I do believe. I that. think this is
0: one of the, I think this is one of your dumbest takes. Now, that wasn't, that. Actually, all right, I got to take. That I wasn't take. actually take. my take. take, but go ahead. I got a take. All right. One of the most underrated things about Villanova basketball is our jerseys. And no, not the new ones, which I really don't like, but all of the retro ones, including the retro ones that we wear this year and last year that had the gold. Love those. The retro ones that we wore in 2018, absolute classics. The retro ones that we had in like 05, 06. I just got a Lowry one. Those jerseys are absolute fire. And I will put them up against some of the other classics out there in college basketball. And those jerseys, the Nova gear does not get enough love. So that's my underrated take for Nova.
1: I was going to get to an actual answer because my answer is not Jay Wright. But I wanted to point that out. I actually think that the membership in the Big East Conference is underrated. And what I mean by that is the Big East is not And since the reformation has never been the best conference in the country, but it's always been pretty good. My point is, is that each team plays so differently and we get a lot of different looks throughout the year that I actually think it helps. It's helped Villanova come March um, for the last like five, six years in that, you have teams that play slow you have teams that speed it up you have teams that are athletic you have teams that are not like i think that that's actually an underrated element is that we have comparisons against a lot of the teams and matchups that we see so yeah are they always like the best teams is the big 12 is it the big 10 no but those teams haven't exactly won a lot of championships lately but what we have is a diverse array of opponents who help us prepare so i'm going with the big east
0: I like that. That's actually a pretty good take, and I think it's uh, pretty well said. Um, Fox Sports is not underrated. Fox Sports sucks. Fox Sports does suck,
1: except for Gus and Raff and Jim Johnson. I don't give him a- and John. What? Oh, John. Well, John Fanta. Yeah. that goes without saying. I still think of him a little bit more Big East. That's a fair point, but he does work for Fox as well now. Uh, John Fanta is literally the best part about the Big East conference. <laughs> so he's fantastic. Um, We'll wrap it up here. Look, Speed 16. Can't ask for much more. Expectations have been met for the season. um, And now we can hope to get a little bit more. And we're playing with house money. I love it. You gotta love it. Gotta be happy with these cats. If the season ends on Saturday, so be it. Um, No shame in losing to a team that's been anointed as a national champion contender all year. But I don't know. I feel like we might get it done, Rob. I really do. Let's get
0: the magic. Keep it going, baby. Let's
1: go. Let's go. And if we win, bracket's a little bit opened up. We can make it to the title game. So that's all we got for you here on the full 40 this week. Enjoy your weekend. Five fifteen, CBS Villanova versus Baylor for the right to go to the Elite Eight would be Jay Wright's third Elite Eight in the last six years and his fifth Elite Eight overall, which is fucking incredible. So thank you all for listening. And as always, let's go Nova.